Chapter 4. The date was April 21st, 1962. It was my father's 38th birthday and arguably the coldest year of the Cold War. It was a Saturday in Livermore, and my father was very much alive. I was nine years old, and I felt pretty good about myself. I spent a lot of time in front of the mirror, combing my blonde hair. I flexed my arm vainly to produce a small bulge in my biceps. I proudly wore the Norwegian sweater my grandmother knit me to school, and I enjoyed my oily sardine sandwich, despite the looks of disgust from my friends. I hadn't reached the age yet when I wore dorky glasses and felt embarrassed about my Norwegian otherness and ungainly limbs. I was a child, and I still thought my father could do no wrong and my mother was a saint. My six-year-old brother Eric and I were in the living room of our house on California Way watching Captain Kangaroo, or was it Sky King, in black and white. Hans, who was three, was with our mom. I don't remember what they were doing, but I do remember neither of them was involved in what happened next. Eric and I heard a snap, bang, and then a voice crying for help from the front yard. Even now I can still hear his voice clearly. At first we weren't sure who was in trouble. It took a moment to connect the distressed voice to my father. We rushed outside to see Dad pinned underneath a huge, heavy plate of corrugated metal. It was the floor section from a Southern Pacific boxcar that our father was using to build a bomb shelter. Dad moved his head from side to side, moaning in pain. His steel-framed glasses were smashed and twisted on his grimacing face. He was a big man, a little thick around the middle, but solid and very strong. Still, the weight was slowly crushing the life out of him. At first, Eric and I just stared. Our father was in mortal danger, but we were just kids. What could we do? Lying next to Dad was the broken and now useless winch he was using to lift the heavy plate. It was wedged under the plate and kept thousands of pounds of metal from flattening Dad completely like a pancake. We looked at the winch, then questionably at each other. Without a word, we stood on either side of Dad and gripped the cold edge of the plate and lifted. Miraculously, the plate bulged and our father squirmed his way out from underneath. Once he was safe, Eric and I dropped the plate and the winch shattered with a loud crunch. We couldn't believe what we just did. We didn't know anything about adrenaline. We just knew we did something impossible with our backs and our small bare hands and the love we shared for our father. Our father was lucky. No bones were cracked, and he spent only a few days on the couch, waiting for his sprained back to heal. Eric and I were unbelievably proud of what we were able to do. We saved our father's life. He was thankful, of course, but he was never overly emotional. I sensed he took what we did for granted. He would do anything for us, so why wouldn't we do the same for him? I ultimately felt let down. I was hungry for more acknowledgement. Soon, Dad was his usual active self, going to work at the Livermore Radiation Laboratory, the lab, as everyone called it, and coming home precisely at 5 p.m. He ate, then donned his big Ben overalls, the ones with the gray herringbones, and resumed work on the bomb shelter. He was obsessed with the shelter. He wanted to protect us. The idea of an all-out nuclear war with the Soviet Union was not so far-fetched in 1962. Dad knew that the lab, where nuclear weapons research took place, was a certain target for a Soviet nuclear warhead. He'd been to underground tests in Nevada and knew the power of nuclear explosions. I was only nine. I didn't yet understand how his fears were seeping into me, becoming mine. The best offense, he said, is a good defense. He told us this with a heavy Norwegian accent. I couldn't hear the accent. I only knew he had one because the kids on the block teased me about it. Thanks to Eric and me, Dad was still in one piece and went on to finish constructing the bomb shelter in October. 
The Cuban Missile Crisis blew over in November, and the U.S. and the Soviet Union avoided a nuclear war. Eventually, the bomb shelter became my bedroom and protected me in other ways. But I'm getting ahead of myself. On that day, back in 1962, I learned a valuable lesson. For a brief moment, I became powerful, beyond my wildest imagination. I saw what I could do if I had to. Now, so many years later, I wish I could use that power again to save my father. Alas, no matter what you wish for, you can never step into the same river twice.